You're listening to Once Podcast, episode 80, Tiny Full Discussion. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time, and we're brought to you in part by Simul TV. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so happy to have you listening to us. Please check out the website if you haven't already, and make sure that you're subscribed by going to oncepodcast.com. Join our forum, send us feedback, watch the blog. We've got some more guest writers on the blog now, and so much more going on over there at oncepodcast.com. One quick announcement before we into our conversation march or not march february 27th at 9 p.m eastern standard time gnt minus five we'll have another once upon a time roundtable with other once upon a time podcasters so far we've got rebecca johnson from the uh, uh what's the name of it operation cobra podcast we've got bill meeks and Anne marie de simone from greetings from storybrook and possibly some more people from After Buzz's uh, Once Upon a Time podcast, and more who are trying to clear their schedules to make this possible. So we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Really looking forward to it. Mark your calendars for that. It will be on Google+. Plus. So if you're not a member of Google+, Plus already, please join there. But we'll have links to that in the show notes, as well as on the website at oncepodcast.com. Now let's talk about this episode, Tiny, which involved a lot of not tiny people in it. It did. And and some tiny people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've watched this a couple times now. I've watched it a few times. And there's some more details in this to pull out. We've got some great feedback from some of our listeners as well about this. And let's start the conversation with Enchanted Forest. There are six giants at the table when um, Tiny comes in or Anton. But we only know five of their names based on what they call each other and based on looking at the credits. Their names are Abraham, Anton, Andre, which I think is funny because Andre the giant, Arlo, (laughs) and Argyle. But we don't know the sixth giant's name. Maybe it's Goliath. (laughs) That wouldn't quite fit. Anak. That would fit. But they all start with A. And I wouldn't necessarily call them all brothers with one father. Because a couple of the guys, like the two guys sitting across from Anton and his annoying brother, looked much older. Like, looked about the age of the father, and I would put that in question quotation marks. Well, he said, you're our brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did say that. <laughs> well, that could, and, you know, the phrase, you're our brother could be that this is just a community of giants you know just like anytime people are together and have deep relationships you know you're my brother at war you're my in in churches they call each other brother and sister or you know brothers in arms and uh, yeah it leaves a lot of questions about where they came from (laughs) yeah a lot of Huge question. (laughs) (laughs) What did they mean by we foster life? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think, well, that was in the context of he said the humans don't follow the same rules as they do, or at least in Arlo's perspective. Um, But 
Well, maybe it was to do with the fact that he said we're peaceful. Yeah, I think by foster, he basically means they encourage life. Did you notice what they were eating on their table? Veggies. Yeah, all fruit and veggies. No animals whatsoever, which makes sense because why are they going to have a giant cow somewhere? <laughs> and then that brings in uh hey, it's Babe possible. Ruth, but, well, uh, if they had giant veggies. Yeah, Babe Ruth, right? That was the giant. No, that was the baseball player. What? Are you, what? <laughs> the giant that had the ox, the, the blue ox the named Babe. Babe was the ox. Oh. Yeah. That was oh. Paul Bunyan. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to have that cleared up. Anyway, let's bring this back up. <laughs> Sorry about that rabbit trail. <laughs> Babe Ruth. <laughs> I don't know. And Baby Ruth. I love Baby Ruth candy bars, by the way. If you want to send a few to us, P.O. Box 739, Burlington, Kentucky, 41005. Address Several, it to Once Podcast. Because they're tiny. <laughs> by the way, speaking of our P.O. Box, that did remind me, uh, Aaron J. sent us chocolate and as well a donation for one's podcast so that's why she sponsored the last couple episodes and she sent us some chocolate for one's podcast especially sent <laughs> some that jenny absolutely loved the shape of it i love chocolate anyway and no matter what shape it is but this was awesome because it was in the shape of the little mermaid which happens to be my favorite disney princess <laughs> i'll put a picture of it in the show notes at one's podcast.com slash 80 yeah but um also, in the giant's rooms, room there, at first I thought those were maps along the walls, but just in case anyone else has been staring at their screen trying to figure out what the maps are of, they're not maps. They're just kind of like carpets or patterns or something like that, hanging mm-hmm. framed along the walls. But they, Arlo said it took a century of hard labor. He said after a century of hard labor, labor it's time for the bean harvest. And there have been a lot of theories about this. Does it actually take a hundred years to grow the beans? I wouldn't be surprised. They're magic beans. Or complicated. (laughs) Or is it just a hundred years of work? They brought this up in our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. They mentioned it could be 99 years of work. You plant the beans the last year and then they grow in a year. Well, if it is a century for them to grow, then... The people of Storybrooke are kind of sunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk about that near the end of the podcast because there's something that may tie that together with someone in Storybrooke. But so we let's go on the assumption that from when they have no beans to when they have beans is 100 years. I think that's very reasonable because that seems the way he's saying it. He's not saying it sounds like it's been at least 100 years since mm-hmm. their last harvest. So these giants are clearly old, and I would say that Arlo has interacted with the humans before, and maybe he was the one who was trading with... Now, he mm. kept saying Why do you humans. say that, though? Because of his... Uh, you know, you They have said a good he'd point. never been down there. Right. They seem to just pass on a lot of myths and legends and... True. About what because... the humans are like, and the humans do that about what the giants are like, and we saw that before. Because um, they'd also talked about keeping the location of the vine, the beanstalk, secret, and not leading humans back there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, so it must have been Arlo is second or third generation from someone who did interact with the humans and then had this bad thing happen with the humans. I wonder if giants grow on beanstalks. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, they come from eggs, of course. <laughs> That's dwarves. <laughs> we all know that. And apparently Tiny's now a dwarf, but yeah. that's... Well, they're not here. I kind of thought of that. I can mention that later. Actually, like. that's here, not there. But sure. in the podcast, it's there, not here. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all about technicalities tonight. Also, I that they mentioned humans, and they were talking about the humans use the beans. Well... The only people we know of that had a collection of beans before this were the fairies. Blue Fairy referred to, back in the episode, um, The Return, Blue Fairy referred to the fact that the beans got away from them. Yeah. So, maybe the fairies never knew the giants were the ones that grew the beans. Maybe the fairies got the beans from a human. Or the fairies used to get them from the giants. Yeah, or mm-hmm. the, yeah, I think I think that one. I think the fairies perhaps were like partners with or the giants. The humans maybe weren't using them well, although probably not as badly as the giants. Yeah, say, and maybe the fairies took the beans away somehow for a while, or or they've been stolen, used up, spread around because Smee knew where one was even though the Blue Fairy didn't know where they were. So there might be a few rogue beans here or there throughout the world. <laughs> rogue beans. Yeah. But uh, a little thing to point out. Uh, they pointed this out in our forums. Um, I can't... I got it here somewhere who it was. Uh, no, I don't. But um, someone pointed it out in our forums as well as... Uh, Jeff and Colleen Roney caught it right away in their um, first thoughts about this episode that they're from the Once Upon a Time fan podcast. But the guy who is sitting next to Tiny at the table, the um, giant that was making fun of him, is actually the same guy that plays the ogre in episode two, The Thing You Love Most, around the circle. Yeah, And he's also appeared in Storybrooke before. Now, same actor... Not same character. Right. So this is, I think this may be the first time they've reused a character to be someone different. Be an actor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> same same actor, different character. Yes. That's what I mean. I noticed the similarities between giants and dwarves in this episode, watching it the second time. Because mm-hmm. they both work. And it's possible that they both at one time or another supplied fairies with some means of magic yeah yeah good connection there and there are no lady giants or lady dwarfs (laughs) maybe they have the same ancestors (laughs) maybe they do come from eggs only the giants are really big and the dwarves are really small (laughs) but they can both make names appear on pickaxes yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. now jumping forward a little bit. There's the racy scene that really surprised me that they had yeah. in this episode of Once Upon a Time. Um, that that bothered me because this is supposed to be a family show. And yeah, nothing was shown. But still, that's pretty racy. Yeah, not the not the worst thing in the world. But it was a little, a little off for mm-hmm. the general tone of this show. Yeah. But there was something said interesting in this. James called Jacqueline, or Jack, a true wonder, and she said, I know. 
what stood out to me is the word wonder. Okay. Thinking oh. about maybe is that one of a couple clues or a few clues in this episode that Jack has been to Wonderland or has a connection to Wonderland somehow. No doubt. Oh. Yeah. She talked to, she spoke about the Jabberwock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I didn't pick up on that. I think that's And she had magic mushroom. Yeah, now she said she received the magic mushroom from a wise woman. She didn't say an old woman, but she did say a wise woman. So, huh. So I'm I'm wondering if she, like the wonder, of course, tied to Wonderland. Well, not of course, but that's what I'm thinking is maybe it's tied to Wonderland. And the reference to Jabberwock, which is uh, pulled from, well, Jabberwock has been used many times, but the word was invented by Lewis Carroll, who is who popularized this form of nonsense poems where it's just words that don't mean anything that he Mm -hmm. uses and defines them on his own. And Jabberwocky was the most famous nonsense poem. And it was part of the whole Alice in Wonderland kind of universe. It was uh, in through the looking glass as well as another book that was a sequel to Alice in Wonderland. Um, So, but that doesn't mean there's only one, but I think this does indicate a connection between Jack and Wonderland. Maybe Jack could be Alice. I know I mentioned that in the initial reaction. I, I don't want to think that. I hope not because I didn't even like her being Jack, even though Jack and the Beanstalk isn't necessarily, I mean, it's a pretty well-known story. It's maybe not one of the bigger ones in our culture at this point, but I was like, I don't know. I thought it was a clever surprise. It, it was clever. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed in the kind of person that she is and i hope that not every new character that's introduced from here on out is going to be kind of seedy yeah like hook-esque uh, forgive me hook fans but he's, he's kind of a pervert <laughs> and she was not a nice person she was devious and and james was suddenly kind of evil he seemed it was funny rabbit trail ish but this is what i thought of both times that i saw it in star trek especially the original but also some of the other shows later on there was this alternate universe Um, i think primarily deep space nine did it but they'd go over there and for some reason i mean obviously everything's different that's what you do when you write an alternate universe story (laughs) but key people were particularly evil that was their favorite thing to do with these stories Mm -hmm. there's people that were good on our side were evil on the other and that's how james suddenly seemed right which was weird and then she was just kind of in there with him i don't know it was she's just not a nice person so i hope she's not also alice (laughs) personally yeah now she might have killed alice <laughs> no <laughs> she might have <laughs> or maybe or maybe she got the mushroom from alice because she only said wise woman she did not say old woman right she didn't say anything like queen like uh, the white queen or the <laughs> queen of hearts or anything like that the only way that she referred to the woman was wise woman why can't giants build houses that don't rumble? <laughs> I know. When they walk around. Like, I mean, we can build houses. <laughs> That's exactly I'm, what I thought. I'm sure that they have, you know, materials up where they are to make their houses strong enough not to be all rumbling when they're walking through them. <laughs> well, when we walk through our, in this, they tone down the rumble a little bit because the rumble or the 
the perspective was from the size of the giants. So the rumble was toned down a lot more. But in like the episode Tallahassee, we're at the perspective of Emma and Hook, who are much smaller compared to the giants. So then the rumble is bigger. So like yeah. when we walk around our house, we are making rumbles. I can hear it. Like when I'm working downstairs and Jenny's upstairs and she's walking around, I hear her very delicate, feminine, very beautiful little <laughs> rumbles that she makes in the house. <laughs> You're in trouble. I, I said very delicate, very, very feminine, beautiful. You're in All trouble. nice words. Oh, oh. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, but in yeah in Tallahassee, he was knocking things over. Yeah, by walking and, he and was running, well, running he was angrily, running. kind of stomping a bit too. Well, anyway, it's so, a little. It's a lot of rumbling for a giant built structure. Yeah, because they know how heavy they are. <laughs> they should. They should be able to build a house that supports their weight. Now, back in the bar, little tavern area, which we've yes. seen that tavern. I'm not sure if it's necessarily no. the same tavern as, like, we've seen the Dorfson and mm-hmm. Bell and Graham. all of that. And Graham, yeah. <laughs> um, it is the same uh, set, uh, TV show set, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's supposed to be the same tavern um it looks more like the one that the dwarfs went to which i would be willing to accept that not the one that graham went to as the huntsman but in there in that first scene i'm not sure if you noticed it but when the giant is looking through the window mm-hmm. james and jack are sitting at a table oh, inside really? yeah i didn't oh, notice I didn't, that i didn't notice that i did notice when they went outside to see him it looks like there's a giant spider web yeah, that's the trees. <laughs> that's just the yeah. Are I, you sure? I had to look at that a few times. Oh. It's just because the moon is behind the trees. It looks, and so the light is all circular. Okay, if you're sure. Yeah. I, yeah. It was I cool did. looking. I stared at it. Yeah, I, I looked <laughs> at that several times, thinking, "What is that there?" And our chat room is still upset at me for naming Graham. Oops it again sorry guys <laughs> by the way we do our shows live on wednesday nights at 8 30 eastern standard time that's gmt minus five and on sunday nights we have our live initial reactions at 9 15 p.m eastern standard time gmt minus five at oncepodcast.com slash live we'd love for you to join us and join everyone else who joins us <laughs> that's redundant now jack had said that the king played by Alan Dale, who was also in Lost, uh, that the king owes money to a neighboring kingdom. We've known that the kingdom was having financial troubles. That's why the whole Midas thing came up in the episode The Shepherd, which chronologically is after this by maybe a year or so. Uh, Maybe less. We don't know. But it started to make me wonder, what other kingdom is it that... uh, that King George owes money to. I think the neighboring kingdoms we somewhat know of are King Midas, King George. Um, There's also Regina's kingdom or King Leopold's kingdom is neighboring because Regina and uh, Mm. King George knew each other, but didn't seem like she, he owed her anything. Uh, Maleficent. Well, she was never called a queen. Yeah. She was never called a queen. I didn't, I'm not sure if it's really going to come up again. Cinderella, by the way, that's another one. Chat room pointed out. Aaron. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, it could be anybody, I suppose. I don't know if that's going to be... I think that was all just a hoax. Well, we do know the kingdom has financial trouble. They that's well, yeah. money. Yeah. yeah, because he wanted Midas's treasure yeah. abilities. But um, so I, I th- think at that point, it was all just a hoax to kill the giant. And for the giant to lead them back to the beanstalk. Mm-hmm. I think that's just what it was. And I don't even know hmm. what he was arguing about in the tavern. Yeah, you can't quite hear it. it. He's arguing with one of his guards, and he says something like, well, you go back and tell him, and you can't hear the rest yeah. of it. And it's not in the subtitles as well. But I think the, my point in bringing that up is maybe we should... Do you think that should... was staged, or do you think he was talking about something else and they just used it? Oh, both. I think both. Because obviously David and Jack are scheming this. James. And, yeah, I'm sorry, James How could Jack. it be both? Either he's... Either he's he called that man there to get him to argue with him at that exact same time or or he came and they just went with it. I think it, it could have been be something like he just decided to overreact to something his soldier oh, so brought him. Or just, maybe he just told a soldier, hey, come in at such and such time and tell me this. So, yeah, it's yeah. either or. It can't be yeah. both. Yeah, prob- think totally staged. I, well, okay. So if it's either or, totally staged. So they they deceive Anton into helping. Or Anton. Yeah, and he goes up. Oh, by the way, in the bar, he referred to uh, he saw someone playing a harp. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's a miniature harp called a lyre, I think. And um, but he said I had one of those. Mm-hmm. And it's referring back to that first scene where we saw he had the little golden harp, which reminds me of uh, the Disney um, Jack and the Beanstalk or Mickey and the Beanstalk. And also as well as uh, the original story has a talking Wife, harp. bring me my harp. <laughs> oh, my. I didn't even remember any of that. I was thinking there should have been a giant plate of jello on the table. And that would have been a nice nod to the Disney <laughs> version, you know, where Goofy or Donald Duck or one of the characters are in the jello. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so there. Anton's kind of gullible, but he wasn't entirely because he said there weren't any beans. He said there was treasure, but he said there were no beans. Yes. So he didn't I think all give that away. But. All throughout this episode, Anton was completely gullible. Yes, except for that moment. Yeah. Well, and he was thinking, yes, we need to protect the beans. It sounds like the humans can't be trusted with them really. So, but I can help them with gold. That'll be no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like the little kid giant. <laughs> He's got the mind of a little kid. He's tiny. Tiny. <laughs> so when Jack and James climb up the hill. <laughs> wow. Jack <laughs> and James climb up. <laughs> when they climb up the beanstalk, come up and they go after the beans. Then this war starts and it's implied that there's an army. Well, they say there's an army. We never see the army. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't see the army. It probably just expense and a One little really bit really slow fireball in the fire. sky. And I don't know what that even was. It was really slow. <laughs> <laughs> so the swords are poisoned, and that's killing the giants. I'm just wondering why they didn't, they didn't wise up and start throwing rocks at, at these little people. <laughs> I why? I don't know. Why? I mean, the ingenuity of the little people. 
<laughs> I mean, the same thing happened in Star Wars yeah. with the Ewoks. The little people uh, conquered the big people with all their technology. Yeah, but the little people in this episode only had poisonous swords, so they <laughs> had to get really close. Why didn't the giants just wise up and throw rocks at them while they were far away? I don't know. Yeah, it was a little strange. So Jack died lying down next to her sword. She didn't die in the exact same position that we've seen her sword, uh, her bones, rather, and her sword in before. And I'll have uh, pictures, screenshot of that in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 80. And remember in the initial reactions, I mentioned, I wonder if we go back and look carefully at the skeleton, if we can figure out whether it's male or female. Well, so I did some research on skeletal differences between male and female and went back. I thought like (laughs) after doing all this research, I thought, yes, I'm, I'm equipped now. I'll be able to go back and tell whether the skeleton is male or female. And then realized that, oh. You can't really see it well enough. You can't right. see it close enough. Like the shape of the chin, the shape of the back of the skull, the width of the skull, the <laughs> the um, the shape of the pelvic bone, and some of these things, and uh, relational propor- or proportional lengths of arms versus legs, and certain things like that. I, I couldn't do that with the time. <laughs> and on the bright side, you are now equipped to go out and get a job as a crime scene investigator. <laughs> Daniel Lewis, fairy tale crime scene investigator. Oh. CSI Enchanted <laughs> Forest. <laughs> so, not to stay too morbid, but how long does it take for a body to decompose to the point that we saw Jack's skeleton the first time? Well, there are birds up there. Birds l- could have eaten. <laughs> at least 29 years. It's what? been at least 29 years because this happened pre curse. But curse lasted 28 years. No. That doesn't oh, well, mean okay. yeah, the laws of decay might not have been I see. suspended as well. Okay. And there are birds. <laughs> there are birds. There are birds. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Bird. Yeah, so the birds could have easily picked at it and also explains the kind of decayed or ripped up um, cloth that's still there. Mm. From the episode Tallahassee we're talking about. That makes sense. Okay. That actually does make sense. Glad we got that all cleared and, up. And, you know, it could also explain why her body is in a slightly different position. Yeah. And, and she's wearing a hat. That doesn't explain position. why she's wearing a hat as a skeleton. <laughs> because as a skeleton, she's wearing a hat. Really? But what? Yeah. Oh. It's a helmet kind of thing. I don't I don't know about it's that. We We hat. will have the screenshot, though, in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash... Uh, 80 and See? she does indeed have a hat kind it's of like thing. It's like a cloth tie thing. Hmm. Yeah. Like almost looks pirate like, yeah. which she wasn't wearing when she nope. was killed. So, so that was nice of the giant to put a hat on her while <laughs> oh she was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's, that's just prop department missed Oopsie. a couple of things there. Yeah. So the beans are all gone. But there's this one little bean stem left. Bean. And beans can't be raised anymore there uh, at all because the land has been salted. It's been poisoned. Beans are gone. However, they did that. Do you think that there could have been... What Do you think the beans only follow certain laws of time and such there in the giant's land? Like, would the beans grow differently somewhere else? Or do they just need 
soil and time. It's possible. So anything else about Enchanted Forest before we move on? Nope. Nope. I want to thank Simul TV for sponsoring this episode of Once Podcast. They've got this awesome service, and you know I love talking about them because they do something really well. Imagine being able to watch television, movies, or sports with your friends or family, no matter where they are, no matter where you are. That's what Simul TV enables you to do. Any device that has a browser on it, so this could be your smartphone, your tablet, your computer, your smart TV, can load a television show, a movie, or the shopping channel, or sports programs, load it on your device, and then, this is what's truly beautiful, you can bring in picture-in-picture of your friends or family who are watching it with you. So if you're watching sports, you can be jabbing each other virtually and saying, ah, did you see what my team did? My, my quarterback's better than your quarterback. Or you can be cheering together for the same team. Or you could be watching a movie together, watching each other's jaws drop at certain scenes, anything like that. Simul TV allows you to do this. And it's an awesome service that you've really got to check out. And you can test drive it now for completely free by going to oncepodcast.com slash simul tv that's s-i-m-u-l-t-v go to oncepodcast.com slash simul tv and sign up for the free trial of simul tv so that you can experience this next evolution in entertainment getting to watch things and watching this entertainment like the person is in the room with you no matter where they are though I love what they're doing here. It's really connecting friends and family. And it doesn't have to be just over entertainment. It could be over educational things. Like a father and a daughter could watch an educational video together. If the father's out in some other country stationed there for military use, he can enjoy things with his daughter. You can have picture-in-picture. You can have text chatting, voice chatting, all of this awesome service. You've got to check it out. Go to oncepodcast.com slash simultv. That's S-I-M-U-L-T-V, oncepodcast.com slash simultv to test drive the next evolution in entertainment. Thank you, Simul TV, so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And I hope that you, all of our listeners, will go check them out, oncepodcast.com slash simultv. So let's talk about Storybrooke now. At the beginning of this episode, it picks up with, well, gold coming to pick up Emma and then discovering that Henry is going to be brought along. I think they wanted to bring Henry along, not just for the reason that the reasons that Emma gave, which are very good, very legitimate reasons. But also, I think this is all a big setup for Neil to be Bellfire. And with Henry alone, Emma is going to have that either opportunity to or the awkwardness of Henry meeting his father and Neil getting to meet his son that he didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're setting it up for that. It's not going to be this just, I really don't think it's going to be a happy reunion. It's going to be a lot of tension, a lot of stress on their relationship. So I think that's why Henry is going, their main reason as writers, why they want Henry to go. It could be. To help set that up. As well as giving a little bit of a different perspective on things as Gold and Emma are traveling together. You know, did you notice when Gold referred to a previous deal with David? Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. Because he said, I won't hurt your family because we have a deal. 
yeah, no harm will come to your family. It's because of the episode, I can't remember the name of the episode, but when David went to gold to get the potion to pour on Jefferson's hat to find Jefferson, then he, it was, uh, we are both actually, that's the episode that it was. We are both. Then he found Jefferson and, um, all of that, but in the process, in order to get the magic, the deal that they made was that gold said, if I give you this, you should not interfere with my affairs. David agreed to that and also added to that. And you won't interfere in our lives. You'll leave us alone. So that's their prior agreement is that they will not interfere in each other's lives. Well, he's kind of interfering now. (laughs) Well, (laughs) taking his daughter and his grandson away. His agreement though was directly with, Dave, yeah, that's kind of true. But he yeah, was but if making they were to, good on his his um, deal with Emma, though. Yeah. If they were to try to do something prior deal against Regina or Cora, or if they were to try to go back to Storybrooke, Gold would not stop them. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And which I is mean, kind he of, is on thin ice, I guess, with this. But it's kind of crazy because just the episode before, he threatened to kill all of them if anything happens to Belle. It was like they had that threat moment, and then like everybody felt better in the morning or something. And he was kind of like, "Okay, I didn't actually steal you away in the night. We're we're going." Well, I guess he said in the morning before, but now it's like, "Oh, you're bringing Henry." Well fine and i'll pay for everything so i'm really not as maniacal as i seemed last night yeah he seems to be a little bit more gracious in this episode and a little more caring with everyone well he's a little bit i saw him as really testy yeah yeah tense in that sense but i mean in like trust he trusted emma it took some work, but he trusted Emma and also what he said to uh, David that no harm would come to his family. Now, uh, a lot of people have asked, why take this airplane trip? Why not just take a car trip from Storybrooke, Maine down to New York? And I love that in the official Once Upon a Time podcast with Kitsis and Horowitz and hosted by Estelle McGecky, they mentioned why they put him on a plane. Because flight is our land's greatest magic for mm-hmm. humans. So they wanted to place Rumpelstiltskin, who is the most powerful man in his land, in our land where he's in a completely unfamiliar place and experience our land's greatest so-called magic, and that is flight. Hmm. So that's why they put that there. Is there anything like significant about the specific airport i noticed it was logan international airport that's just the boston airport okay. boston is their closest metropolis well their their major metropolis that they go to all the time well i'm hmm. is that the only flight they're taking or was that a connection or do it, we have any idea it looked like the first flight because yeah at the first flight you have to go through security mm-hmm. for the connecting right flights, but it's you don't a 42 minute flight Right, and they said nonstop. It's well right. from yeah Boston to New York. It's not going to be a long flight. Yeah, and, and okay, that's fine. And they did say 
uh, to New York, a 42-minute flight, which is a lost number. Yeah, it is. And there are actually a lot of lost references in this episode, which I'll share in a little bit because uh, one of our listeners, Ellie Active, sent in the list. Mm-hmm. So when, after Gold and Emma leave, someone comes knocking on the door to meet Snow and Charming. Is it Regina or is it Cora? I couldn't figure it out. I think it's, I think on rewatching that it was Regina the entire episode. Yeah. And she's just kind of reverting. Yeah. Back to her nasty self. She's clearly keeping people in the dark. She's playing dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't want them to know that she's working with Cora. Right. And that's why, well, for one thing, I think it's true that. Regina did not know at all that Archie was actually alive. Uh, Cora never said that Archie was still alive. Did she not? Cora said, I did that. Oh. So Cora took the blame, but she never said that Archie was alive. Oh. Otherwise, Regina would not have said, well, I'm going to take you to the middle of town to show that uh, you did this. Because if Cora said, well, Archie's alive then Regina would just be like, oh, then everybody else... Well, not necessarily, but... She didn't say it when she looked like Henry? Right. Oh. During that that interaction in the last episode. I must have just expected it, maybe. No, she she only takes the blame, but she never says that Archie is alive. Now, Regina's perspective here, I think she is faking some of her reactions because of... Uh, I can't remember which one of you just said it a couple minutes ago, but because she doesn't want everyone to know that she's working with Cora. But she is still surprised partially. I kind of wonder, what would she have done if Henry was there and she could talk to Henry? Or if Henry was there and Emma wasn't there? I think with the Mm. absence of Henry, Regina's just lost. Because Henry kind of kept the good in her alive and that's like we mentioned in the initial reactions that's her only reason for being good is to get henry back Mm -hmm. now she has another way to get henry back so she's gonna be different when henry gets back (laughs) he's gonna be like what happened to you I, i like that mary margaret had said that the wind was gusting Toward them, and that's why Hook should follow them, uh, and that Hook can tell. But I think they don't know, or Hook knows maybe some of Cora's plan, and they don't know that maybe without Emma in town and Rumpelstiltskin, that they might be in a lot more trouble. Snow and Charming might be in a lot more trouble with Cora and Regina now allied together. How would he know? Well, maybe Cora has told him some. But he... So when they get on the ship, and we'll step back to mention a couple things before they get on the ship, but when they got on the ship and they started to unlock Anton's cage, Hook started easing away and then he just disappeared from that oh, you don't see notice. him anywhere else but yeah if you watch closely you'll see him start backing away as if he knew what the giant was going to do 
And also the way that he talks to Regina later by the docks seems to indicate that he knew part of what Cora had in mind for the giant. Hmm. I'm wondering why she would bring a giant if she can just eat a mushroom and squash them herself. <laughs> well, he said that she wanted him to grow beans. There must be something to it that oh. only he can do. Yeah. Plus, killing someone's awfully messy, so she might want someone else to do the job, and he's already got a lot of anger towards the same people she wants dead. Well, yeah. I was kind of wondering about that whole thing, because if she made him small, if Regina... I was trying to figure out if Regina was doing this just sort of independently on a whim or if it was all part of a larger plan because she could have had Cora just make him a giant again. Yeah. But she instead gave him something that after a certain amount of time was going to wear off. Maybe she didn't even really want anybody to get killed. The way she was talking, she was kind of like, eh. She mentioned a distraction and needing a distraction. Uh Actually, she here's what Regina. So you're saying when Regina gave the giant the mushroom? Yes. Here's what she Look, said. Look, I hear you're in town because you want to kill someone. I can help. I have no love for this prince either. And if you want to destroy this town to get to him, well, I'm happy to do my part. That's what she said to get him going. That doesn't mean she really. She sounds like I don't she's think reverting she cares. to evil queen. Yeah, I yeah, don't think she cares, like but I don't think she necessarily. She didn't want him running around as a giant forever, or she would have done something more permanent. Well, that's Cora's doing. Cora had, Cora had the mushroom. Cora she, made him small. Cora no, made him small with magic. Yeah, yeah, which is not the indefinite. It is as far as indefinite. we know. But the mushroom but is temporary. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that she also wanted him a manageable size for most of the time. More portable. <laughs> I mean, because exactly. she wouldn't want to be squashed herself. Yeah. So. And also, um, I don't think he would have been able to plant the bean with enough land if he were his huge size, because that would make the clipping that size as well. Oh, so it just makes sense true. to me that it makes sense now that, that she brought him miniature size for yeah. her convenience. So stepping back a little bit to when Hook, Snow, Charming, and Grumpy are getting on the ship and finding it. Hook said that it's made of enchanted wood, mm-hmm. which that's the first time we've ever heard of anything like that. But that yeah. could maybe explain what happened to all the trees. Yeah, all or most of the enchanted trees. Trees, now, trees uh, like the one, like the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, or like what Pinocchio was made out of. Yeah, maybe. Now, <laughs> Hook's ship is three mm, hundred ish years old. Looks great. <laughs> <laughs> so. All of that wood, assuming it came from the same enchanted forest or enchanted trees, all of that wood was used many, many years ago. Almost makes me wonder, how did Hook get this? This could maybe tie into his last name, well, his full name, Killian Jones. Maybe he is Davy Jones' son. So maybe Davy Jones, as this magical, mythical person of the sea, maybe Davy Jones had some influence on building an enchanted ship out of enchanted wood hmm. that's cool i like that did he mention the name of his ship um not in this episode if, have they not called it the jolly roger before i, I think they did oh. yeah in a previous episode in the crocodile I'm- yeah but that's just the name of the flag and the fact that pirates are aboard right uh-huh. 
Mm, well, or could the, it be the name of the entire ship? It it could be the name of the entire ship easily. Now, Hook called Tiny a, a weapon of choice. So I think he did know what Cora had in mind to do with um, with Tiny there. But also, uh, going back to Hook's ship, he said that it's seen many strange glittering shores. And I searched all over the place to see if I could find any cross-reference with that to anything. <laughs> I think he means Neverland. That could be it. But he said many, like M-A-N-Y, not small. Like miniature, so <laughs> sounds like a general reference, not yeah. a specific. Or it could be flowery words yeah. that he's using. And being an enchanted ship, it could be possible that maybe he's been able to go places where some people haven't been able to in regular ships. But mm. he can't travel between realms or worlds without a being. He even made that point clear. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ship could maybe be without possible. A portal, he said. Yeah, without a portal, uh, the ship could maybe be used in the future to help people go through portals. That's a, a theory out there that someone has shared in our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. That at least helps explain how it could go through the stinking portal without being torn apart. Yeah, very true. Like maybe a regular ship. Yeah, because you would assume. Hmm. Did Hook summon Korra with a, a heart's like a hearts card? Yeah, a queen of hearts card. Really? That's ironic. But Regina showed up. I know. I know. But he intended it for Cora. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that scene. Because they mentioned Cora's things off the ship. Yeah. Things, not thing. Things. So I'm thinking there might be more. Wouldn't it be on the funny ship? if Hook had all her things? I mean, because he got the he got the cards from somewhere, uh, and he disappeared on his own ship. Well, snuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, possible. I'm wondering if maybe one of those things is her heart, or maybe she's got a box of hearts, or something else surprising. We don't know. Yeah. It could be anything. But I don't think they, they made a slip to say things. Probably more. I didn't give it any thought at all. <laughs> <laughs> she needs her things. She needs a shower. <laughs> <laughs> now, jumping to the hospital when Belle is in the room... There are a couple of posters in the background. One says honor, and the other is a poster about germ theory, which <laughs> um, like the guy who pr- uh, proposed the idea of washing hands a lot more frequently. Not really much giving away there, but uh, Ruby comes in, and it seems like Ruby is not trying to help Belle remember or help Belle connect things necessarily, but trying to help cover up a little bit well no it's weird it's like she's treating her as though she's going to be an outsider unless they can find a cure so she's just going to do instead of trying to help her rebuild she's just kind of doing damage control like she would any other outsider Mm -hmm. which she doesn't want her to freak out well yeah 
I mean, she knows what she saw, so it seems like it would be better to just be like, eh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Emma had to believe eventually. Yeah. She, <laughs> I mean, people can, I guess, be helped to find the truth. And Emma didn't see magic either. Right. Until right. after she believed. Um, true. Ruby, though, is apparently just not the best person at handling anyone who doesn't already know what's going on. Mm. That conversation with Mendel was just painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just let me play that. Rest up. The sooner you're better, the sooner you can be out of our quiet little town. <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, stranger, leave. We like our space and our privacy. Now go. <laughs> The um, nurse that was from the basement where Belle originally was being I held was, glad was to also see her there. Again. And um, Jeremy and I both noticed in the credits she was called Severe Nurse. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure if- why. She was far less severe this time than last time. Well, she. Was she severe? She um, grabbed Belle, gave Belle a sedative. And almost makes me wonder if she's kind of calling the shots and deciding, Belle has been under my control for 28 years. I want her back as my prisoner. <laughs> oh, I mean, she could that. be getting a little strange with that. But I think this brings up, we don't know who Belle's Storybrooke character is. Belle may not know who she is <laughs> because she's been a prisoner in a hospital for 28, well, 29 years. That could be fun. Wouldn't that be funny if she was useful to everybody in her cursed state as well as hmm. in her not cursed state? Yeah, but how? I don't know. She. I just had that thought. She may not even know her own name. Yeah. Well, she... Yeah. She keeps telling people, don't call me Belle. See, I don't think the nurse has a problem because Belle is literally freaking out. She's crazy. All the time. Yeah, Every, I mean, all you have to do it's is say "bell," and she's screaming and throwing cups, <laughs> teacups. Next thing you know, she's going to be looking after a squirrel baby. <laughs> <laughs> Why does she always get to play the crazy characters? Why Adam Kitsis? Wait, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis? We must just love making her crazy. <laughs> because they cast her as a crazy person. Now, the book that Ruby gave Bell is the exact same edition of the mysterious island that snow was re- or mary margaret was reading in the episode 7:15 a.m. Oh, okay. so if you go back to our episode about 7:15 a.m. you'll see that i pointed out that names on the book are names of the production crew like the set designer oh, and funny. Um, certain other artists okay. and such that were I knew on it. it was familiar. I just couldn't remember if it was referenced in Lost or discussed when people discussed Lost. I had forgotten that it was actually in this show. Yeah, it's it's also a possible kind of Lost reference ish. We thought so at the time. Yeah, <laughs> last year. But it could also kind of refer to the fact that this storybook is almost as if it's an island separated by mm-hmm. things, and it's rather mysterious. True. Now we got an interesting email, and this is an off the wall theory, but it could actually work. Um, this came in from Hannah. Said, "I think Ursula is the nurse. Her hair is just like her tentacles." <laughs> <laughs> what? Never, ever say that to any woman ever. <laughs> just FYI. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was the only one other than Regina and Jefferson that knew. <laughs> so, uh, I guess knew about Bell. Um, so she must have been evil. Her buttons on her <laughs> shirts are a seashell like her necklace. Oh, yeah. From okay. I hadn't noticed that. I don't think that just because you have a job in a cursed storybook, you're necessarily evil because you believe something that's not true. Well, a possible reason to believe she was someone evil, if she's anyone important, that is, Mm -hmm. from Enchanted Forest. A possible reason is that she's in a position of power and someone that Regina trusts. True. She was watching over... Sydney's cell and Belle's cell there in the basement. But Dr. Whale was watching over David when he was in a coma. Yeah. And he was reporting to her, but he really didn't care once they were not cursed anymore. Yeah, that's true. That That is true. But so maybe... As long as they believe they are who she says they are. Maybe she wanted him, though, as a doctor because she brought David uh, Daniel over maybe. maybe she wanted him as a doctor so that she could bring daniel to him maybe in a cursed storybook state and nothing would seem weird hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a little out of the ordinary but could you maybe bring this guy back to life <laughs> <laughs> he died um you are a doctor so <laughs> How many years ago? That's not important. <laughs> now, let's jump to the airport scene. Here's which, a glowing heart. Ignore that, too. <laughs> just put it in there where the hole is. And, uh, just take my word for it. <laughs> I know you can do it. Um, with uh, the airport scene, many people had seen the spoiler pictures. And remember, we consider anything known about a future episode to be a spoiler. Uh, we take a very conservative spoiler policy. But many people had seen this and were saying things like, I can't wait to see the scene of Mr. Gold in the airport. That's going to be hilarious because Rumpelstiltskin in an airport and all of this. I'm glad I didn't hear that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be surprised. I knew very little. I'm kind of... Anyway, (laughs) I I try to stay away from the spoilers, which, by the way, we'll have another spoiler section after the music at the end of our podcast. Our spoilers provided by Hunter. So if you want to hear spoilers, you can stick around for that or just... Stop the podcast after the music and you won't miss anything. Mr. Gold had very fashionable socks. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought I'd mention. Uh, Yeah, Mr. Gold's styling. He is. He's styling. He even had those little, what do you call them? They're little... Sleeves? Garters for your sleeves. (laughs) Now that you say it, I can't remember the real name. (laughs) I think there were a few things that happened here that just one right after the other were like blow multiple blows to Mr. Gold's ego, his courage, and all of this. And the first thing, I think, started with what Henry said. It must be really hard not to use magic, being like everyone else. Being like everyone else. Mm-hmm. See, originally, who was Rumpelstiltskin? Not like everyone else. <laughs> originally. Originally, oh, like everyone else. <laughs> Actually, maybe a and, little less. Yeah, he was a coward. He... And the only reason he stopped being cowardly in his apparent actions was because he had the power of magic. Mm-hmm. But internally, he was still a coward. He admitted that to Bell, even, uh, when they had their conversation in the library. 
he admitted that he's still a coward and he needs his magic. It's like a mm-hmm. crutch to him. It's always one crutch or another. <laughs> I'm really concerned for him. Then what way? I mean, just he doesn't look like he's taking it well. No. I just feel very concerned for him. I would say not. Well, and then, so Henry says that. So the second thing, he has to take off this shawl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they let him keep it on? He's We've an old guy. We've been through airport security. I know. He takes off the shawl and suddenly it sounds like like the Swan mm. Station shutting down on Lost or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, yeah, something happened. We don't really know what happened. Obviously, he became disoriented. And it seems like maybe he temporarily forgot who he was. But did something more than that happen? Did that damage him that he couldn't use magic anymore? Or is it just because he's out of Storybrooke that he can't use magic anymore? I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And we really won't know, I think, until we see him back in Storybrooke. But we know that his magic isn't working now. Or if we see that maybe for some reason the cloak comes off at different times, if he gets sort of progressively damaged by I being will, without it, we'll know more. I will be super upset if somebody steals it from him. Mm. <laughs> you, know, oh, you really that, care. I care. I care about him. That could easily happen. <laughs> In fact, what if something happens like that? It's stolen from him while they're in New York. They find Neil, but they have to be with Mr. Gold while Mr. Gold is <laughs> being Mr. Gold, not Rumpelstiltskin. And he doesn't realize that he's right there with his That's son. That's sad. That would be but so they, sad. But like, they bump into Oh, Neil. listen to you. You're like borrowing trouble. <laughs> borrowing trouble? Yes. Yes. We don't know these things. You're making us worry. So they just... <laughs> we don't know anything. They take him back to Storybroke. <laughs> We're and, writing the show now, everybody. And, <laughs> and Neil comes along because he wants to be with Emma. But she's like, oh, wait, jerk. But he comes anyway. <laughs> Well, I think that... (laughs) (laughs) Go away, jerk. (laughs) Sounds just like him. (laughs) I think that he also realizes he's vulnerable now. Yeah. As simple as if he loses that shawl, that he loses his memory. Maybe he already feels some kind of damage. We don't know. He was... He had a fit of rage, which we've seen him have those before. Uh-huh. Banging up that thing. Yeah. yeah. In and the if I counted correctly, it was 12 strikes. <laughs> Two of them palm strikes. <laughs> yes, I did see the palm strikes. <laughs> which, those palm strikes, though, I think help confirm that he wasn't just testing whether he could heal himself. He was just, he was angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He would have done all knuckles if he just wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, or just cut himself. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, he could have done what they do on every other TV show where they take out the palm of their hand where it seems like it would hurt the worst and they take a knife and they just oh. cut their palm for one reason or another. It happens a lot on TV. And make a much bigger slice than necessary. <sighs> yeah. He was actually smart. He doesn't have to live with, if he was testing. You know, the beauty, <laughs> the beauty of the character Rumpelstiltskin is that he's lovable, but he's so evil. I mean, he's lovable, but he's evil. You know what I mean? At least I can be a fan and he's root lovable. for him at times, unlike <laughs> Hook. Yeah. He's now, lovable. we got an email in from someone asking, why didn't he just wake up when he saw Emma? 
And uh, in the chat room, they're talking a little bit kind of close to this. So let me address this. <laughs> the original curse, the dark curse, had Emma written into it as that's the way it will be broken. And we saw also that Rumpelstiltskin wrote down Emma's name a whole bunch of times so that it would stick. He woke up from the dark curse because of meeting Emma. He wrote that into the curse to function like that. Hmm. The barrier curse was completely unintentional and unknown to him that it would happen. He was surprised by the barrier curse. Right. And when he talked to Bell in the library, he referred to the barrier curse as a new curse. He said, I mm-hmm. need to break this new curse. So I don't think this new curse, whatever it is, maybe Regina put it into the curse, like just that, oh, this needs a little extra salt. I'll add this little barrier curse into this as well. <laughs> or, or maybe even Cora had some effect, uh, some part in this. But whatever the case, this wasn't anticipated. So Emma is not the key to this new curse. So he can't just look at Emma outside of Storybrooke and or kiss Emma or anything like that. Emma has no effect on his better not kiss effects Emma. of his curse outside of Storybrooke. Aaron J in the chat room is offering. I think he brought the barrier curse and unintentionally by bringing magic to Storybrooke. Yes, yeah, and that's that's where I was going with that exactly because all magic comes with a price. Yeah, and that was probably the price of bringing it. Uh, of bringing all <laughs> magic. So, uh, let me make sure I pronounce this right. Soraya, yeah, I got that right this time, uh, suggested that maybe Rumple has not lost his magic, but maybe forgotten how to use magic outside maybe of Storybird. That could be. And I believe it was Obi's girl, uh, or one of our other listeners, had suggested that maybe... Outside of Storybrooke, Emma's magic is merely like an extra sense. Actually, that was in our forums that someone had suggested that. That that's her like sixth sense, being able to tell when someone's lying. And that's how her magic plays out outside of Storybrooke. But inside of Storybrooke, it's something more powerful. Or maybe there's no restriction like that at all to her magic. So then going back to Storybrooke, just before uh, Regina has released the giant, when she's talking to Hook, uh, Jeremy, you'd, you'd brought up something earlier that we didn't really cover that much. Yeah, she said, um, she said that it was the, could be the distraction they needed. So needed for what? Yeah. And while everybody was running around chasing the giant or running away from the giant, depending on who they were, and while Snow and Charming were having their fun day of almost getting killed, <laughs> what were the baddies up to? Mm. Yeah. and They were up to no good. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> we haven't seen Cora at all in this episode. Uh, that could just be for casting reasons. They just decided uh, we just can't get her in this recorder for this. she needs her things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Maybe we'll find out in the next episode what's been going on behind the scenes, the evil that's been brewing somewhere. Maybe they're practicing spells together and painting their toenails and all kinds of stuff. I love how they... <laughs> Including Hook. 
<laughs> I love how they revealed um, David's real name. And like, we were so excited. <laughs> While running. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, there were so many parallels, so many hints. And in an interview, this is what Obi's girl had brought up. This is why I was getting confused about what Obi's girl had sent in. Obi's girl sent this email saying, um, at last we know Charming's real name. Josh Dallas actually, uh, in an interview on December 27th with TV Line, uh, mentioned that Charming's real name was going to be so obvious. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 80. Obi's girl said, so glad it's not something silly, but David makes a lot of sense since he was raised as a shepherd and could become king mm-hmm. one day. Uh-huh. I would say, yeah, I'd say there's so many parallels, like killing the dragon was kind of like killing the giant and the biblical account of David, the king, Saul was the king and kings were supposed to be through bloodline. Well, Saul was not David's bloodline. Saul sinned. And so David was chosen by God to completely replace Saul as king, just like David here was not King George's true bloodline, but David became the king or will become the king for fairy tale land. David got into that position because of slaying a quote giant unquote the uh, the dragon. dragon, and also the things like David was a shepherd and uh, the different ways that this plays out. Now, in the episode we are both, when David says. Uh, well, he specifically said Storybrook David was weak. He didn't just say David was weak. He said oh. Storybrook <laughs> David was weak, or David Nolan. And he drives around in a in a yeah. pet truck. What yeah. was it called? Um, animal, animal rescue <laughs> truck. Okay, you just made me realize that every time they've said that, I've pictured some weird big white van with like a logo on the side, and somewhere in the back of my mind, it's bugged me like. David doesn't have one of those. What are you even talking about? But you're right. I guess he was referring to his actual truck. Hello. Duh. <laughs> or he had a company truck. Yeah. We never got to see. Oh, from the animal he, shelter. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I was picturing the right thing. Maybe so, because I was picturing something very similar. Oh, okay. I thought just now <laughs> was you were Was the logo blue? Green, actually. Oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he does drive around kind of a weird jeep thing which i guess you could rescue animals in so let's talk about <laughs> like the rabbit that went down the trail I just <laughs> let's talk about greg and bell they've now they've got a crazy bond yeah exactly i was trying to figure out what to call it because they've both seen something crazy and someone is finally validating what bell has seen so where is this gonna lead to the trouble. Two, the two of them are going to be sneaking around Storybrooke in their hospital gowns <laughs> and I know looking it. for fireballs. I know and they're probably <laughs> not going to see a fireball, but they probably are going to see maybe a giant or some, some purple form smoke. Of magic. Or <laughs> purple smoke. I don't know. Somebody teleporting, you know. Well, at the end, near the end of the episode, the giant and the dwarves go to plant the bean sprout and there's a great theory in our forums and i'll have a link to this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 80 but there's a great theory that maybe greg mendel is there to help 
make the beans grow. Because remember, we've talked in the past about what Greg Mendel's uh, name means. Let me read this post. This came in from Levisgria <laughs> on our forums. It says, hey guys, I'm new to the site, but I just wanted to post a small theory about Greg's role in the show. I have a feeling he will somehow be helpful in making the magic beanstalks grow in Storybrook. He will eventually figure out that magic exists there, but I have a feeling he will be helpful rather than a threat. The name Greg Mendel is similar to Gregor Mendel, a scientist known as the father of genetics. And his experiments involved creating hybrid pea plants by crossbreeding them. Oh my. I think that Anton might have trouble growing the beans in Storybrook, and it could require some crossbreeding of magic and science. And this would be where Greg comes in. And Frankenstein. <laughs> Just a small theory based on the names and a few hints from Tiny. I'm going to call it now. Frankenstein at some point is going to look over the crop and say, they're alive. <laughs> <laughs> they're alive. So I could totally see this happening because we did talk about this with Gregory Mendel's name and the genetics thing. And I thought maybe it would have something to do with he'd want to study the genetics of people with magic. But it could have something to do with the beans because if the beans actually do take a hundred years to grow, a century, then maybe there's something he can do to speed that up. Maybe. You know, hey, we've got a long cool. way to go before that happens. And then they open a park where they have these dinosaur beans and then the dinosaurs <laughs> revolt. And, oh my. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they show. turn into females. <laughs> yeah. Or, or was it that <laughs> they, they turned into, into males? <laughs> I love that... Um, I love that Leroy said, no one touches our crops. But he also said that about uh, the diamonds. I was thinking the exact same thing. And I was also thinking, okay, why Except not? the evil queen. Yeah. Why not keep the stupid thing safe like you've done for decades? And let's take care of the little Cora threat first, then plant it. <laughs> why plant it right now? Why are they in such a hurry? And why was he so quick to just be like, hey, look, guys, I have a bean trimming. It was a little weird. He's like, I mean, everybody looks at that the same way. You, everybody, <laughs> like the bad guys and the good guys are yep. all like, oh, I want it. It's precious. <laughs> Pretty much. He kind of was very public with it. The yes. bean of power. He's One bean of, to rule them all. <laughs> bean sprout anyway. He's just kind of, you know, naive. Childlike. Yeah, childlike. Well, because of this, this now provides a mechanism, and we see, again, that slight tension between Mary Margaret and David, that David wants to go home, but Mary Margaret doesn't, mm -hmm. even though she enjoys the adventures of almost being killed. Well, she saw what a big mess it was. Mm -hmm. well, she's seen firsthand what, what it's like there. Yeah. And unless she's not saying everything, she's afraid that they'll lose Emma again. Yeah. Well, she did. Yeah, she said that. She, uh, she well, doesn't I mean, want yeah, to be separated it, from Emma. It, it may be as simple as that, or it may not. She may have other things that she's not saying, or that she said before, where she just she just wants to make a home there. Mm -hmm. You know, I just I just realized today that one of my theories came true. <laughs> Real? Which one? Yeah, I theorized last season that Emma would get to go back to the Enchanted Forest without anybody oh, yeah. else. Like she would be sent there. I mean, she was with her mom, but mm -hmm. nobody else was there. So I called it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we uh, brought that up that you'd called that theory uh, when we saw it happen. I don't remember. 
But I was I thought of that while I was doing laundry today. If any listener wants to send us a catalog of all the theories we've said over <laughs> the last eighty episodes <laughs> and I, whether they've come true or not. I think it was either <laughs> Josephine or Jed Anderson were uh, keeping a list <laughs> nice. of uh, like twice. going back and re-listening to our podcast episodes and then tracking that. By the way, someone I want to give a shout out to, big thanks to David Newland for sponsoring this episode of One's Podcast. We really appreciate the support because it now does cost a lot more to run the website server. I had to upgrade again, hopefully don't have to upgrade it for a while, but it now costs twice as much as it did before. So we really appreciate the support. Thank you so much, David, for being a consistent, faithful supporter. And if anyone else would like to sponsor an episode of One's Podcast, please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor and if you see david in the forums or in the chat room or anytime please be sure to thank him and anyone else who sponsored an episode thank them for supporting this so when mr gold gets on the plane with emma and henry and or henry bond as we're i like to now call oh the ship my. henry and Cinnabon. did he have two cinnabons yeah which they, they are delicious you we're gonna get one for you okay here. So you can have them. And you'll understand why Henry can be shipped with Cinnabon. (laughs) But I think from Gold's face, I think it's really this reality strike to him that he's uh, vulnerable. And we got this great email in from Sarah Bolton from Australia. She said, hey, Once Podcast crew, I was thinking about Gold on the aeroplane she's from australia (laughs) he looked really scared this could have been due in part to the first flight nerves and being in the strange and land with new customs i liked his comment regarding taking off his shoes (laughs) but i was thinking maybe it was more to him reverting to his old precursed self we know that he was a coward before becoming the dark one it was his magic that gave him his confidence and strength. And now after hundreds of years, that has suddenly been taken away. So it's understandable that he would be freaking out. Now he's on his own. He doesn't have his power, though through which he has always gotten and orchestrated everything he has ever wanted and needed. I think this is a great point because uh, even in Storybrooke, he always had a plan. He was in power in Storybrooke, in Storybrooke before he woke up. And after he woke up, he was also in power because he knew what was coming. And he knew he had a plan for bringing magic back. Now, I think it's all of his plans are shattering. He's out of control. Mm-hmm. I kind of think it's like he's, he's facing the bean hole again hmm. by getting on this plane. <laughs> yeah. It looked... It looks... <laughs> He was terrified. He looks terrified. Exactly. And and Sarah, I think, made that point well. And and she even said, referring to that instance, she said, now after so many years of searching and scheming, he finally followed Bay to this land without magic. So you would think he would have been expecting no magic outside of Storybrooke. Maybe there's another reason has, he has been clinging so tightly to his scarf, his last bit of magic. Well... And his last bit of memory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's he even doing out there if he takes that off? Yeah. Or rumble. Yeah. So I think now going back to that incident in the line, the security check-in, Emma not only called him her his father, called him <laughs> her father, 
But she also said, we're going to a family reunion. Did you catch that? Well, yeah, because he's going to be reunited with his son. But it's more than just that. It, it really seems to be, everything seems to be pointing in the direction that Neil is Belfire. So it's going to be more than just a father-son family reunion. It's going to be a another father-son, Henry. Well, here's his another father. thought. What if Neil is already on his way to Storybrooke? And what if they miss him? I don't know. I don't know. And if anyone's if interested in spoilers, then stick around for the music after, and you might hear that we uh, are completely right or completely wrong on that point because the spoilers yeah. will contain some information about the next episode. I think when we saw the first scene of Broken, we all assumed that he gets the postcard and whoever this stranger was at the time, he would go to Storybrooke. Yeah. yeah. I really hope to find out what was in that box. <laughs> I, I think box. we will. We'll probably find out this season because... <laughs> If Neil is Balefire, then we'll find out what it was in the box that convinced Balefire to believe August Mm. or Neil. Now, we got a list of lost references thanks to Ellie Active from this episode. (laughs) Now, the actor, Jorge Garcia, who played Tiny, the giant, was Hurley from Lost. And there were plenty of lost things in this. For one, this list came from Ellie Active. Uh, One Ruby gives Belle the mysterious island to read. Two, Damon Lindelof's voiceover on the TV. Um, I think the, she says, I think the program was called Good Morning Storybrooke. Three, the TV show Expose. And she said, also known as the worst episode of Lost ever. <laughs> Four, Ajira Airways. Uh, and it was Flight, five, uh, flight 53 not 316 so they're safe flight 53 (laughs) and five on her list and final one is flight time of 42 minutes Mm -hmm. and 42 is an important lost number so nice little list of lost references there thanks to ellie active and if anyone else caught any others you're welcome to please comment in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 80 Jeremy, uh, Jenny, anything else to add about this tiny little episode? (laughs) This tiny big episode? Uh, Just that Tiny seems to be the new seventh dwarf, and I still want to know what happened to Sleepy. I mean, I know what happened to Sneezy, sorry. Mr. Clark. Yeah. Yeah, who is now Mr. Clark again? Mm -hmm. What's he been doing? Because you'd think he'd be in the same state as Belle, basically. working. Yeah, but working with a bunch of people he thinks are crazy. Well, And there's been stuff like Giants running around town he probably thinks it's weird too he's probably like wow this is really weird i just want to i just want to see him i just want to know he's okay (laughs) well see his perspective his cursed self is uh mr clark who works at the dark star pharmacy Mm -hmm. normal guy nothing weird about himself correct now yeah he feels like everyone's being weird around him yeah but he feels he was supported by his brother's that he don't act, he doesn't actually know. Yeah, he just brothers. thinks they're all crazy. But yeah. Belle has a completely different cursed personality. Is that mm. she was in the insane asylum essentially, and maybe there was some insanity that came along with that, or I'm, just came because of being locked up for twenty eight years. So I think she was given some insanity. Okay, and that's all fine. 
But if I think that I run a drugstore and giants, <laughs> a giant comes walking through town and everybody seems to think that they are storybook characters, I'm probably going to Boston. <laughs> or, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a little Maybe weird. Maybe he was, you know, in his... In his um, back room restocking when that happened, it was just like, <laughs> he just has well, it's an earthquake. <laughs> Do those happen here often? <laughs> Gotta get back to work. <laughs> Very nice. See, you're writing the show again. I know. <laughs> you, you, should, you should write an episode. <laughs> oh, by the way, one other thing. Uh, our fans and several people emailed pointing this out. The great fun of when we learned David's name for real was while they were being chased by a giant, David and the giant, oh. David and Goliath, right then. <laughs> Great timing for it. And a lot of people really loved nice. how that was revealed. It that wasn't was an awkward kind of reveal. It wasn't like big necessarily. It was big to some of us yeah. as fans, but it was uh, so revealed she, in a fun way. Um, Snow could actually call him David. Mm-hmm. No, But she said her nickname for him is Charming. Mm-hmm. She probably knew his real name. And maybe that's why... She continued to call him David, even in Storybook. But then he calls her Mary Margaret. Which is really funny. Yeah. It takes so much longer to say than Mary Snow. Margaret. They are, yeah, they are both. <laughs> well, big thanks to, uh, let's see, Arwenkja, A-R-W-E-N-C-J-A, or and her name I know from the forums, Crystal, <laughs> for reviewing us on iTunes. And she said, this podcast is fun to listen to and full of personality, as well as also <laughs> Enviant left a nice review for us in iTunes. So thank you so much for reviewing us in iTunes. Anyone else who hasn't reviewed us yet, we would really appreciate a review because that helps other people find us in iTunes and get an idea of what the podcast is about. And if you have already reviewed us, then please consider going back to iTunes and finding these most recent reviews and marking them as helpful too, kind of saying, yes, I like this review, I like this review, I like this review and such. And that also helps encourage us too. So you can go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes to leave a rating. And what we really appreciate are those written reviews of the podcast. And we want your feedback on Once Upon a Time. Now, we're finished talking about the episode Tiny, But save our feedback information for when the next episode airs, and you can send us your thoughts and theories on that for our full discussion. So you can email feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, our voicemail line at 903-231-2221, or you can go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send voice message link to record a message right from your computer. You can participate in our forums and chat there with many other people, share your theories, a bunch of different theories or one big theory and comment on other people's theories. You can find other people who share your theories. We got a tweet recently from someone that said, uh, someone else is as crazy about once upon a time as I am. And I replied (laughs) to them and said, yep. And guess what? We've got a whole podcast and a whole forum full of people that love the show just as much as you do because this person felt like they were all alone in their huh? obsession over the show. <laughs> and now I've connected them with the community that loves it. So check out our forums too <laughs> with the community who will love you with your theories over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. And like I mentioned earlier, watch for our upcoming Once Upon a Time roundtable with other Once Upon a Time podcasters. It will be on February 27th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT-5, 
on Google Plus, and you'll be able to watch it on YouTube as well. But the conversation, like the chat room, will be on Google Plus, and we'll be taking some questions from the viewers. So if you want to participate in that, the best way to do that is through Google Plus. We'll have information about that on the website at oncepodcast.com. And if you want one of your other favorite podcasts that you listen to, there are a bunch of them out there, then please let them know, remind them about this and ask them, hey, please make sure that you're on the Once Upon a Time Roundtable. I'd love to hear you talk with the other Once Upon a Time podcasters about these different things. It'll be fun. That's on February 27th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please follow us on Twitter. You can follow the show on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on twitter.com slash Phlegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. So remember, the sooner you're better, the sooner you can be out of our quiet little town. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and also check out Simul TV at oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for this week on the Once Podcast. This week's episode is titled Manhattan and is directed by Dean White and written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Mr. Gold, Emma, and Henry hit the streets of New York City in search of Mr. Gold's son, Bay. Emma tackles someone, but who is it? Is it Bay, or has she found someone else she knows? What kind of surprising family reunion are we in for? While in the city, Cora, Regina, and Hook are trying to track down the one and only thing that could take Rumpelstiltskin down, his dagger. In past fairy tale time, Rumpelstiltskin realizes his destiny while fighting in the Ogre Wars. I have read that this will explain at least one major question we have had for a long time. I just don't know what question that is. Casting call... Episode 19, Lacey, is looking to fill a few roles. The first is for a 30-year-old male to play a brave, honorable thief who steals magic from Rumpelstiltskin. The second calls for a 35-year-old man to play Keith, who is bitter due to a hard life and likes to chase women. For some much-anticipated casting news, E.M. Bailey is back, returning in Episode 18 as August W. Booth and Pinocchio. Are we going to be following the Yellow Big Road in the near future? We've been talking about Oz since day one, said Edward Kitsis in an interview I found online. Look at the pilot. One of the pages of Henry's book shows flying monkeys, and in Jefferson Hat, there seems to be an emerald curtain. Guess we just have to sit back and wait. Thanks for listening to this week's spoilers. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Have a great week. 